Welcome, everybody, and thanks so much for tuning in to the Self Storage Income Podcast. Before we get this episode kicked off, huge shout out to our sponsors, Tenant Inc., Live Oak Bank, and Janus International. Tenant Inc. was a company started by storage owner-operators to fill a technological need in the industry that was not there. Their solutions are incredible. Again, these people are owner-operators who knew exactly what the industry needed and have moved into the industry to provide that resource and that ability to help owners operate their facilities, to own their data, and to do just incredible things with their facilities, maximize returns, maximize efficiencies and operations. Incredible group of people. Check them out. Link is in in the show notes. Live Oak Bank, another amazing group of people there. Their SBA loans are next to nothing. I mean, they are so amazing, second to none. Uh, phenomenal people there. We've worked with Terry and a number of people over there at Live Oak Bank. They know their stuff. They know the self-storage industry. They know how to value self-storage, which is massive. It's a huge, huge efficiency working with these professionals that know and understand storage, which our next sponsor, Janus International, is no slouch either. They they obviously know and understand the storage industry. They are working day in and day out to bring and revolutionize resources with to and within the self-storage industry. Amazing group of people there with revolutionary technologies, really bringing in that user experience that people today just demand in everything they do. So that said, check it out. Links in the show notes to all those sponsors. Thanks again for listening. Looking to create wealth and income through high cash flowing real estate? Self storage is the fastest growing and the newest real estate asset that has outperformed all others. What's its secret? I'm AJ Osborne, and with over a million square feet that we have built, acquired, expanded, and even converted big box stores from small third tier markets to large hundred plus thousand square foot facilities, we have seen it all. This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self-Storage Income. Welcome, everybody, to Self-Storage Income. Today, it's like 8% uh, inflation rate. I mean, well, just over 7%. Um, we're seeing a lot of crazy things going on the market with banks, financing, investors. It is a wild and very quickly changing world in the self-storage world, Connor. It is, man, and it's uh, it's changing everywhere. And there's there's a huge trickle down effect to so many of these things. And uh, there's a lot of these fundamentals that apply from you know self storage across different industries and investments and asset classes. Um, and one of those things, I mean, financing. What we're talking about today. A lot of this stuff we're going to talk about today isn't just self-storage related. You could apply this to a lot of other aspects, but uh, we're going to jump in and share a lot of uh, you know what we've learned, what we're seeing, where things are at, and uh, kind of open this up a little bit uh, because, yeah, I, I mean, we're kind of in uncharted territory as far as the things that have been going on the past couple of years and, and what's going on currently. Uh, as of right now, it's uh, March 11th, 2022, just to give anybody reference, uh, listening in the future or past, any of that jazz. Um, Oh, I guess you can't listen in the past. But. <laughs> yeah, that, that'd be awesome. Like, if you can, please, uh, we need to talk. Uh, yeah, it's going to be way, way in the future. Maybe you're time traveling, going back in time. I don't know. 
I think, you know, when we're looking at this stuff too, though, timing is a really relevant point because a lot of people don't understand how much financing changes with time, how different it is from not only, you know, lots of times we may say, oh, when we got started pre-08, but no, I mean, like how much financing has changed in the last year, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I mean, no I, and what we think it might change in the next six months. Um, we've seen markets literally shut down down in a matter of days um and with inflation changing as fast as it is you have a reaction um amongst investors and the lenders that uh you may not understand and this can catch you off guard and get you in trouble uh this can be especially true when developing um, and I'm seeing a lot of people that I think may have gotten over their skis first time in self-storage. Uh, they were developing and they expected certain cost. Um, those costs changed dramatically on them. They weren't planning on it. And now they're putting a product out that their underwriting was off by 30% uh, more. And maybe even more than that. And they we're in a market that maybe can't support that increase. We are seeing a lot of people that are making amateur moves and they thought that they had a bank loan and then it was pulled out. That was me. That, you know, that, that, that amateur move, that, that was me. So, <laughs> it's uh, right here. embarrassing because <laughs> I do think it's an amateur move and that uh. just happened to me. We had a new banking relationship and they, you know, it was like they wanted to get into self-storage. They gave us these great terms lendings. They told us we were approved. And because I'm an amateur, man, that hurts. Uh, we didn't really fully vet that approval process. We accepted it as we were told. And turns out that the bank last minute decided we don't want to be in the self-storage. So they pulled the loan a couple of weeks before. So we had to go and then we just paid cash for the asset and bought it um but you know it's uh that's obviously not something that uh, a lot of people can do so that probably made me a little more comfortable than i should have been because we've been in a position to do that uh, and made a stupid mistake like not vetting the banking relationship partner and not understanding how that commitment actually worked in that approval process um, but I think that the bank got nervous with everything that was going on in the world. And so they decided last minute not to enter into a new asset class. These are the kind of things that we're seeing today. It's never happened once. It's never happened to me before ever. And, um, I was surprised because obviously it's never happened. You don't know. And we, we should have had backup plans. We should have confirmed and all that kind of stuff. But um, these are things that a lot of people don't think of till it happens to them. And, and when you're, you know, when you're, when you're at a level in a game, when you're borrowing millions of dollars, you know, that those are mistakes you, you can't make. And um, they're ones that, you know, I shouldn't have made. And it can, luckily for us, we are, um, in a position to where it didn't it didn't negatively impact us, but um, if you look at it though from a standpoint that what if that was a much bigger deal? What if that you know what I mean? What if it wasn't an eight nine million dollar deal? What if that was a twenty thirty million dollar deal? Mm-hmm. What if we had put 
two million dollars, right? Um, in earnest money. What if we? You know what I mean? It could be financially devastating for somebody. You go and you 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 have your earnest money down. You're going to close in uh, ninety days, and you have a hundred thousand dollars down on that asset, only to find out um, in the last month after due diligence is over and your money's hard that the bank isn't going to close. You cannot. Um, get an extension, which was the case for us. We couldn't get an extension on um, that. The reason being is prices had risen so much that the seller knew just in that short period of time, I can sell it for more. And this was an off-market deal. And during the process, they obviously learned, wow, this isn't worth, you know, 8 million. This is worth 12. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to give you an extension. Right, right. And that's what happened to us. We had this off-market deal that was a screaming deal. And the seller, they wanted more. So they're not going to give that to us. They're going to take our money and they're going to go then resell it for more. Same Mm -hmm. time. Um, So, you know, you got, you got to be careful with that. And terms um, are changing as well. Financing and what banks are wanting to see. I think they're getting a little more nervous. Mm -hmm. Um, They're getting more nervous on two aspects, not just the landscape, everybody, or what's happening, but self-storage overall, you know, self-storage is been on a rampage but it's changing and these prices associated with it i think has banks starting to go oh this is not you know our 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 debt to income level or debt to equity um and your overall margin and how low the cap rates are and thing it's changed and so uh, they're looking at people different now with that said there's other options like hard money lenders so we now have hard money lenders in the self-storage game. That didn't uh, exist nearly as much, and we have better terms. But there's going to be things that the banks are going to want to see to get those kind of terms, right? They're going to want to see history. They're going to want to make sure that you know what you're doing. You can you can actually execute on this deal. So there's some things that you should be looking out for when going into a deal. The time frame in which you're actually able to get a loan and get it under contract, uh, get the deal under contract, but execute the loan. Um, you might want to have multiple banks, and you may even want to be going down the road, even if you've been approved uh, with one, and have double appraisals and have your backup plan. You know, might cost you some, but it might help you out when the one bank says, "Hey, this is going to take us three weeks longer." and you have some survey that didn't come in and you're going, but the seller doesn't care that it's going to take you three weeks longer, mm-hmm. right? We have a time period that our contract ends. Yeah, contractual um, agreement. Yeah, so like, yeah. Uh, you know, you, you just need to really vet those things out. Um, you're not sure what's going to happen. It, it, it's weird. It, it's not like th- two, three months is a long time. It kind of is right now, right? The news cycle, how things are moving and how the market the market changes you know i mean to, we don't think a ton about these things if you're just doing one thing really specific but you forget what all of a sudden oil going from 100 dollars a barrel to 130 in the stark stock market to turn around and drop four or five points in a three month period of time changes that bank's mm-hmm. overall landscape position mentality their projections of the future, their willingness and appetite to take on risk, right? Yeah. Um, it can change fast for those guys. 
Well, that's top down too. I mean, you're talking financing. <clears throat> that could be banks. That could be your investors. That can be everybody. Yes. Where you have all this this massive increase in uh, in costs and this uncertainty going on, people are going to be with you know safeguarding their capital. Yeah. Are your investors saying that they're giving you money, or did they give you money? Those yeah, are two dude, totally different things. Point. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you got somebody that's like, yeah, I'm going to give you two hundred thousand dollars. And their 401k drops by 12%. And they're like, I'm not giving you $200,000 because I feel like I just lost $100,000 in my retirement funds. Mm -hmm. That's real. We see this. This happens. When you have a news cycle of war, listen, I'm going to hold on to my cash. Even though you have 8% inflation rate, they say, I need short-term capital. So the money right is connected to a very human reaction like we think that people make logical business decisions you have inflation at eight percent your money is going to lose eight percent guaranteed right but when you see war russia invading and you have some news anchor 24 7 saying there's a chance we're gonna have nuclear war i'll take my eight percent loss mm -hmm. and you're like wait but hold on is what th those two risks one's a guaranteed and one is probably an actually very very far out risk nuclear war right that's, that's probably very low on the actual risk scale so one's a hundred percent the other one's very low yet the tail's wagging the dog right it's not logic it's emotion and that's a real thing and people really make decisions on emotion um, and circumstances because circumstances are changing so quick. So when you're trying to get a deal locked up and you're making promises to execute and in commercial real estate, we use OPM, other people's money in the form of banks and investors. These are real things you need to be concerned about. There's a difference between a promise and a difference between being it, it's actually done or you're obligated to do it. Just because a bank says you're approved doesn't mean they're actually obligated. Just because an investor says they're going to give you a certain amount of money doesn't mean they're obligated. Are you making decisions and moving on a premise of promises or guarantees? Very, very different things. It is. And it's such a testament to where, you know, I, I think there's a lot of people out there that have this idea that uh, we're the infallible experts in self-storage here, you know, where, again, like you said, it's very, um, very, very elementary type entry level thing. Wait, that are was you talking about me? No, oh, no, dude, no. Yeah, I wake yeah. up in the morning. Yeah, I piss excellent. Excellent. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I am infallible. That's, that's going to be the title of this podcast. AJ pissing excellence. <laughs> Uh, no, dude, but I, I, you know, and it's just such a testament to where not only are you constantly learning, you're going to have some of these mistakes, but it's about it, it, just the importance of having those contingency plans in place for every aspect of your deal. And financing is literally the cornerstone of you doing it yeah. or not. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's literally where the buck stops. Yeah. Like, it's a big deal. Yeah. Pun and, intended. Yeah, exactly. Two guys, you also have to know. I, uh, we had this happen to us on a deal a long, long time ago. It was, you know, I, I really don't like to mention, like, call out who did it or not. But a bank, they got us into a corner and at closing, they changed the terms. Mm. At closing, they changed the terms on us. You're sitting down to sign the paperwork, right? Like, Jeez, dude. crazy, right? Yeah. 
So, you know, I'm not going to name any names, but it was Zion's bank. And, you know, when you do that and when you like, I mean, at that moment, we're like, we're obviously never going to bank with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, dude, you if you're hearing you this, do Mr. Zion's bank, you got a lot of uh, uh, room to make up because that, that burns, it scars you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, because it's, that's bad business. That's bad, bad faith. You don't do that. But it shows what they have the power to do. Yeah. No, absolutely. And these are a lot of lessons that people in 08, we all learn. Banks pulling money, calling mm-hmm. due, even though you're paying your terms. These things you guys need to know. You got to know the details. You yeah. got to know, right? Um, and you are making promises to investors and sellers that you're going to complete, but just realizing that it's not just you, even though you want to, or you going to, or you plan to, right? You also need to hold other parties accountable. Okay. You need to make sure that investors know you're wiring over money. It it's, um, you know, you really got to be on top of it in today's age because prices are high, but timeframes are condensed. We're also having rise in fear, um, levels, and we have so much money chasing assets, deals, and capital right now. Um, it's a very interesting landscape. It is, man. It's interesting to watch and kind of be going through one of these times where you're getting a front row seat to all of it, you know, yeah. and you're getting to see kind of that reaction again, that emotional aspect to it all. Um, and, and how irrational it can be. Uh, but again, I mean, it is such a testament to having those things in place and, and building that network of reliable people, uh, whether that is your construction workers, your contractors, your banks, your hard money lenders, or, you know, whatever that looks like, your third party management, any of that stuff, it's it's another testament to that where how it, just how extremely important it is to have those key people that you can rely on and be able to actually execute on something if if they are your contingency plan, whatever that looks like. Um, it's it's so, so important to have those relationships that you can just lean on at any given point in time. And uh, you're not just having these, I mean, we talk about single points of failure all the time. You know, how do we identify those? How do we make sure that we don't have single points of failure? You know, ensuring that we've got contingency plans in place for literally every aspect of every deal, uh, which obviously we missed on this that, that one there. <laughs> but it happens. It, it does, man. It absolutely does. Uh, but that, again, it just helps us improve our processes, our systems, our checklists, everything that we go through and the steps that we take and just the a level of attention to detail that uh, you need to have looking at these deals um, and going forward. You know, when we look at uh, the financing uh, financing arrangements. There's a, a a bunch of things that you have. You obviously have the money. You have the like uh, as in the cost of the capital through investors. Is that that's you know equity cost um, bank, which is the cost of the borrowing that actual cash flow cost that you're 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 taking out. You have the opportunity cost, um, but you also have contractual cost. Okay, so you have. Um, terms associated with those loans and what those mean um, will depend on will shape different investments and it'll shape also the landscape of risk and so when you're looking at uh, deals um, there can be lots of ways you can go you can go interest only you can go uh, um, non-recourse you have 10 year with you know uh, 20 year um, 
uh, amortization schedule. You can do hard money loan. You can do, I guess you don't have to do loans at all. You could do um, just pay for it in cash. Um, there's a lot of different structures for financing and things you can do. A lot of the times we react uh, only because we are at the mercy of what is presented. And I would challenge everyone, though, to try to be in a different seat. So meaning, well, I'm going to go get a loan and just see whatever I can get, right? So put yourself in a position when you're going into the deal that you've already had the conversation. And, and preparedness with financing is the most important thing. Who am I dealing with? Who are the investors? What's the structure? What do I want? What do I need? When I sit down at the table, talking with lots of different banks and trying to really push and dictate that conversation, this is the value of this asset. This is the opportunity. This is what I'm doing with it. So, Mr. Bank, this is what I need. Not what are you going to give me? Mm -hmm. This is what I need. So I'm looking for IO interest only for one year because I'm improving that, right? So instead of, could I get interest only? No, dude. Oh, yeah. shoot. Totally different no, conversation. No, I need interest only because <laughs> I'm I'm improving those cash flows and I'm gonna have to use some of that cash to do this. Oh, okay, well then, yeah, let's give you interest only so you can make sure you do that. You know, it, it's, so go into it, not as like just getting a bid. Just right. what, what's the best, who's gonna give me the best thing and what is it gonna be? Figure out what you want and drive that conversation with the bank. I think it puts confidence in you, but it also obviously improves the chances of what you're going to get. Well, dude, it shows that you have a plan. Like, yes, this is what I need to be able to accomplish X and Y and Z. Um, it's something I forgot to mention when we were talking about contingencies a little bit is this is another huge reason to have uh, lines of credit to secure lines 100%. of credit. I totally forgot to mention that. Yes. You know, we, we've changed up and I, I can kind of tell you guys how we're changing our entire fine financing landscape because this is one of the big um as we grow we need different things we need different options we we are moving to um a position of cash payment uh cash payments for assets meaning we have a pre a designated open line of credit that we are using the line of credit to buy and purchase the real estate um which we will raise capital for the down payment of the line of credit so like if we have a line of credit that for just examples, 20% down, we raise 20 million, we have a $100 million line, we go buy in cash those assets, right? I'm just talking numbers, scale it up or down, whatever. Um, then predicated on that, now we move into a position where we're offering sellers and the financing's already done. That's obviously putting us in a position of power. That's why we were changing why we changed that. But also we open up another line of credit, which is a business operating line of credit. So we want, you know, a $20 million line just for business operations. The next thing we're doing is we want um, our hard money lenders ready to go. On top of that, key man or KPs that have huge, big wallets that we can reach out to if we have deals, if we need to cover anything, if there's um, uh, uh, opportunity we want to move quick on. Um, and then we have our investor base ready to go to draw upon. And we're changing our investment structure completely to coincide with the financing, financing structure. That's something we hadn't done before. And I've had to really move from a syndicating one-off deal to a scaling structure and changing the financing side with the communication 
with investors. And so everybody that's going into our fund one, they're all seeing this next next week. You know, we're making it simple, easy, smooth for our investors. We have um, our assets already chosen, which is some of them are like the ones we were talking about, right? We got just pennies on the dollar. And then we are moving our new financing structure to coincide with that. It makes it easy for our investors to understand. We're simplifying it all, streamlining it all. We're having set structured financial options before we move in. This is all before we move to get the deal, before I talk to the seller. From there, we can move to off-market selling positions. Now, you can do this not being our size. Okay, this is very important to know. These are tools that you can use. So if you want to go buy a $500,000 facility, okay, what doctors, attorneys, and lawyers do you know? What can you get pre-approved from for your bank? Do you have a house that has $200,000 in equity, which you can create a line of credit on that bank and you have it opened, already ready to go, so you can draw 100000 or 200000 from your home equity to put on the down payment of that storage facility. You're putting yourself in a position of power when you work with a seller. Do you want 100000 and 100000 from investors? Do you have a clear method of what you are going to buy, communicated with that, and take the 100000 from investors combined with your line on your house that's $100,000? move to the seller of the $500,000 storage facility, negotiate the terms. Maybe that's even an owner financing. Now, you don't even need to worry about a perm loan. If not, have you already communicated with the bank that you need a perm loan? And is that bank ready to move? You've essentially just put yourself on a $500,000 loan in the same position we're putting ourselves in. It's the same tactics to put you in a position of control and power to move quickly, move fast, and give yourself opportunity. Heck yeah, dude. And, and such a brilliant breakdown of, of again, eliminating, eliminating those single points of failure, operating essentially as our own bank and uh, lender and, yes. you know, executing on things more quickly, more efficiently, uh, because that's what the market demands right now. And that's what we need to be able to do uh, to perform and, and do what we want to accomplish, you know, uh, is, is making these massive moves and changes. Um, I'm kind of pivoting, AJ, but I wanted to ask you, uh, as far as how things are going right now. I know nobody has a crystal ball, but what do you think as things move forward, people banking on refinances in three or five years, how do you think all this stuff is gonna affect that? Yeah, okay, great question. I was actually kind of thinking about that earlier as we were talking, because it does make me a little worried when people are doing three, four year IOs, they're not paying down debt, and we're in a position where the the landscape has changed. So. When you pay down debt, you're securing your future refinancing position because you're you're changing your loan to value. Assuming that the value doesn't change, you're still dropping the loan amount. So you're still putting yourself in a better position. Lots of people are doing interest only because they expect the asset to rise. They can either refinance in a short period of time. They have a three-year loan that they have to refinance. It's interest only. Um, and then they refinance at a higher amount. They take money out plus the down payment, and then they're in a secured position in a new loan. What that doesn't account for, though, is if values, you know, not only don't change, but maybe they don't change, but interest rates do. 
Now the cost of capital to the value has changed. You're not going to get the same loan. Maybe valuations have changed simply due to comparables in cap rates in the market that you're at. And we saw because of interest rates rise, cap rates rise. Now your loan to value has changed and it's not enough. What that means is that you have to come to the table with money. So all of a sudden, you may have to come to the table with $200,000 that you don't have. You lose the asset. That's the scary thing about interest only and having what I call, you know, like, oh, what was this name I gave for it? Um, what really it's it's like it's a trigger like there's an event based finance so you're it's everything is predicated at a certain time things changing and you're planning for things to happen at that certain time yeah a capital like, event or something like that yeah like yeah like oh, i can't remember what they were i called. can't even know yeah. i had i had this name for it because it's a technical also, term it's, it's also <laughs> how i look at like internal rate of return is your is your internal rate of return event based planning meaning you're only going to get those returns off a sell at a price that you put out in the future um so your numbers are predicated on event that you essentially make up. Um, and that stuff makes me nervous. So event-based planning, I don't like, meaning I can get what I'm doing interest only so I can pay the bills. And once I change the cash flow statement, I can refinance into a perm and it'll be okay. That's an event you're hoping to happen that doesn't currently exist. And if that event doesn't occur, you've just now destroyed your financial position. Um, a lot of times interest only IOs can do that. So when I look at things, I want to be paying down debt and I don't want to assume major changes for me to be in a position where in a good position or a position where I could even lose the asset. We're seeing a lot of that now. So we're seeing a lot of short term things that are predicated on an event in the future to work out. Those things make me nervous because I don't know what the landscape is going to look like in three years. I can tell you this at where we're headed today. We are not headed in a projection where interest rates are going to be lower. So that is not in anybody's plans. Yet we see people doing deals as if they're going to get three and a half percent, four percent interest rate. Mm hmm. That doesn't make sense to me because the Fed's not planning on that. Yeah, inflation's I mean, not planning on that. No, definitely not. You take a look around, and, and that's kind of the the fallacy of of the last, you know, ten, fifteen years, whatever it is at this point, of yeah. just riding this wave. Mm -hmm. um, honestly, not a lot of people know any different. Like, yeah, it's just it's true. Going, they up. don't like. And this is a big problem. A lot of yeah. people don't. A lot of people they don't know investing in a in a sub. 5% interest rate world and they don't know they've they've never invested in self storage in anything except cap rate compression I, that's probably 80% of the self storage market at this point oh yeah they've Easily. never invested yeah. in anything where self storage wasn't having a cap rate compression meaning self storage values were moving up without a fundamental change to the asset revenues don't have to go up and they're still worth more this can be like a mirage 
in the ocean that you or in the in the desert that you knows there and so you have you're you're like i don't need to save water because when i get there i can have all the water that i want only to find out that it was a mirage and it's not there mm-hmm. um you know that stuff that that makes me nervous and i think there's more of that go- I don't think I know there's more of that going on today than we've ever, ever seen in our industry. So guys, be careful with it. Don't make your finance. Don't make, don't turn your financial tool into a weapon of mass destruction. Don't build something that's going to kill you. It's just dumb. Like make sure that that, that financing option doesn't turn into a bomb at the end of three years. Right. Um, plan that out and look at it and if it's priced for protection and perfection if it's priced for perfection um you may be building yourself a bomb yeah watch out. no that's a, that's a really good point really good point dude love it tons of good stuff here to think about and uh i mean get out there and talk to people you know make sure you're talking to people at uh at banks and things and i don't know one of our sponsors live oak bank that you guys are, are aware of um, they're incredibly knowledgeable. They've got their, you know, hands on the pulse of, of things going on. Uh, reach out to them. Talk to them. Uh, talk to, you know, in other investors. Talk to people in the community. See what they're seeing. And um, don't be afraid to walk away from deals. Don't be afraid to walk away from contracts. Uh, that's kind of another thing, too, I think we need to realize as well as this, this idea of fear of missing out and all that jazz. But, uh, dude, without further ado, I mean, that's pretty much sums up everything I yeah. think we're going to talk about today, yeah. man. It was such a good podcast. 100%. Um, everybody, you want to know uh, more about some financing, check out the YouTube channel. We have a lot of good stuff uh, uh, coming out on that, particularly in in dealing a lot with this financial um, financing structures. But um, we just rolled out a big one out on, I think it was my personal YouTube channel, which is putting the deal together. So financing investors partners and how that all works and how to structure a deal you can check that out we literally just released it this morning um it's a great one because there's so much stuff you can do and not a lot of, a lot of people i think really understand how to put a real estate deal together mm-hmm. yeah no good point glad you uh plugged that for sure uh if you i know this is self-storage income but you if you guys haven't go over to the uh, aj osborne youtube channel um and self-storage income youtube channels check those out tons of information um on all things investing, finance, uh, putting these deals together, just tons, of, just wealth of knowledge. Um, and you get to see AJ's beautiful face and beard and things, you know, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Thanks, we'll see we'll you see next you. time.